Hi, everyone. It's Dan Duva, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. It's SLGND, the Sheriff, Lawless, and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. After a five-game trip, back in Vegas for five straight at home. Golden Knights have won their last three, and how have they done it? Jonathan Marsh is so on track with 10 points to lead the team. Marc-Andre Fleury, one of the league's stars of the week. We discuss it all. How about Cody Eakin's impact, including three goals and two game winners? The fourth line, Pierre-Edouard Belmar and the Malachi crunch of Ryan Reeves and Will Carrier. We also dive into the Alex Tuck seven-year contract extension and George McPhee's use of cap space. Then we take your Twitter-submitted questions in the mailbag. It's SLGND, the Sheriff, Lawless, and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. And now, here's Dave. Oh, Dan Duva, thanks very much. I am Some Guy Named Dave. Dave Kosher, along with Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva, the Sheriff, Lawless, and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, brought to you by the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. We are coming to you from downtown Summerlin today in our Golden Knight Studios as the Golden Knights are on a pretty good run here, fellas. The um, This team that had a, a rough start to the season, to say the least, one and four, and now with winning three in a row, uh, four and four, and right back to the 500 mark as we sit here today. We do want to acknowledge that Shane is here with bird flu and SARS and is fighting his way through it. I, I, I for one, am happy that I was able to share these these afflictions with Shane and he's able to fight through it. You guys are very close. I, I never get sick either, yeah. so this is this is new for me. He but, is uh, on, as I like to say, whatever Elvis was on near the end. Shane is on it now. Oh, no. Minus the peanut butter and banana I, sandwiches. Just, just day quill for me. I might be jumping on the desk here when it kicks in. But, uh, That'd be awesome. No, right, good. I feel great. The, the Golden Knights feel good. Yeah. Uh, you know, some Big win, something they needed to bounce back, and uh, it's interesting. You know, three three wins. Uh, it started that last last game of the road trip, uh, very crucial. Uh, the way in which they won, they they needed someone to step up. They had that in their goaltender, Mark Andre Fleury, and then they came home and they played their two best games so far this year, and they've gotten better each game. Their best game, uh, the last one against the Ducks, in which they dominated despite. You know, it was a one-goal game in the third period. That said, uh, John Gibson was the only reason that it wasn't uh, much worse for that. But everybody's been on board. This is uh, the hockey we've seen over the last two games is really similar to last year when we described this team. What brought them success? Uh, and Jarglant says, you know, they play Golden Knights hockey. And that's exactly it. They, they play fast. The pace to their game, so much higher over the last two games. Uh, all, all four lines rolling. The team defensive mindset's been there. The way they've defended in layers. Uh, the way they, their gaps, not only for the defenseman getting up, the forwards back check. They've been in the right position. Breakouts have been clean. So if you had a box, a long list, they pretty much checked just about every box over the last two games on a positive note. And, and for the coaching staff, that gives them video to go, here, this is how we play now. If they get off it, they've got the template back again. This is our blueprint for success. This is how we need to play. Pretty impressive, Dan, how they've been able to do it here over the last at least two games and winning three in a row. And Mike Kelly told us before the game the other day, uh, it was – a period of time when they got back from Philadelphia before the game against Buffalo 
what they were going to focus on during practice, right? It's not too common you're going to have these many days between games. So one of their focuses was on the breakout. And if they can have those clean breakouts, it leads yep. to fast play. And that's exactly what they saw. And then they continue to do that in obviously upcoming games. Look at what happened uh, not only against Buffalo, but then it looked even better when they had a few days to prepare for the Ducks contest. Now there's another few days. Could it get any better as they get ready for the Canucks? Well, they look like the team that we were used to seeing last year. You know, I know Gerard Gallant talked about this homestand, Gary, a five-game homestand, their longest of the year. It's a chance for them to, to get rejuvenated as a team. They, they looked four. rejuvenated. Yeah. They, they needed something. Exactly. Not one of four in this started, but one of right. four before the Philly game. Now they, they won three in a row, they're four and four. You drop a couple more, and then you're one and five, one and six, and then all of a sudden, yeah. wow, it starts to infect your own. It First of all, externally, It'll be, oh, look at that. They're a one-hit wonder. And Shane, you can speak to this better than us. You're in the dressing room. You're trying to block out that noise. But eventually, it starts to sink in. Well, and what was frustrating, I think, for them is there was parts of their game that was really good, but they weren't finding goals. That's why that game in Philadelphia, to me, those are the type of wins that really propel a team. Philadelphia was very good. Marc-Andre Fleury had to be outstanding to keep them in. And every now and then, you need a goaltender to grab hold. And that's why it's so important to have an elite goaltender like a Marc-Andre Fleury. So Anaheim, they, were, they weren't leading the Pacific. I know they've lost two loss again here last night uh, to Buffalo. But you don't get to the top without goaltenders giving it. And you don't want it every game like Anaheim's needed. They've been outplayed badly. They're lucky to be where they are. The Golden Knights had good goaltending. They played well. But Marc-Andre Fleury in Philadelphia did what he needed, and then a late goal. They, the, in the fashion in which they won that game gave them the confidence they needed coming back home. They've generated 95 shots for only allowed 71. That's a plus 24 shot differential over that span. Their power play has scored two in two of the three games, and they've gone 10 for 10 on the penalty kill in that stretch. That, that, yep. That's your recipe for success. That's golden night hockey. Well, the other thing, got to like you mentioned, the shots they've had, they still haven't broken out offensively. No, they haven't had right. a they, yeah. they haven't had one of those have yet. Have they scored five? No. No, no. four. 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 This was four yeah. One was an empty yeah. header. Yeah. yeah, they they need one of those nights where there's, you know. So they're, they're 500, and they've yet to really hit their potential. But uh, so, the, the, and I, there's a moment at the end of the last game where Jonathan Marshall, so the, the, net, the, the net is empty for Anaheim. He's got the puck. He crosses yeah. the blue line, and he looks over, and Riley Smith is coming down, and he looks at Smith like, do you want it? Yeah. And Smith waves to him, you go ahead. The fact that they're able to, like, Marshall likes to yeah. score, and if he was in a bit of a dry spell, he wouldn't even look at Smith. He'd no. be right, boom, I'm <laughs> I'm taking this one. The fact that they're able to, they're willing to share the cookies, the empty net cookies, a really good sign for them. Let's go to Flurry for a minute, because he's now 10th all-time on the... Yeah, let's on, not overlook on, that. On, pretty... on, the, on the career win list. He's 76 back of Eddie Belfour, who's retired... He's got 484. Flurry's got this year and three year left. Three years left on his contract. He's going to catch Belfour or yeah. get get real yeah, close. Those in. top two, Broder and Wire. Yeah, Broder and Wire. He's not getting. Broder's what 691. Yes. Uh, yeah, Broder has yeah. 691. Yeah. Wah has 551. Yeah. Uh, Lundqvist is at 433. He's still active. Luongo's at 471. He's active, but only kind of active. He gets banged up quite a bit, and um, uh, you know, but but he's you know he'll get he's going to get to 500. Yeah. I don't know if Flurry will. Yeah. 
And Flurry, when it's all said and done, he's going to settle in in between third and sixth in the all-time wins list. He's got a gold medal from the Olympics. He's got three Stanley Cup championships. How many Stanley Cup appearances? Uh, five. five. Five, right? Because he won, lost one in Pittsburgh, and he won, lost, lost one. one with Vegas. So, so, for me, boom. Hall of Fame. Oh, Hall of yeah. Fame. Not, even, oh, yeah. not even a question. <clears throat> He'll be ninth in wins by the end of this year. He's going to go by Tony Esposito by the end of the season. He doesn't have that. Esposito's, I think, 20. Yeah, bar, barring injury. Barring something us, stupid happening. Us, yeah, yeah, he'll be. But so third star of the week, by the way, we should mention, Marc-Andre Fleury. 2-0 uh, and in the games they look at for, for player of the week, but um, 956 save percentage. His ability, Shane, to, to come up big in that Philly game, and it, we got to talk about these ridiculous saves he made on close. That, that to me was a, it's a performance that really, right? if like, we're going to look back at some point, that that's what turned the season around. You mentioned that's a game that could have easily went the other yeah. way. Uh, you know, think of how demoralizing that's – if he did not make that save on Drew that ties the game late for Philadelphia, uh, you know, or those two breakaways, and they come home from that trip with just the one win, uh, you know – It would have been one – it would have been so one what's, and five? Yeah, yeah. and, and then, five so trip. then your mindset now is pressure coming in against Big Buffalo, guy. and then you got – that win to me – Look back, this team, that, that is a turning point. That performance Flurry put in against Philadelphia, the late goal by Cody Eakin, a great play by him, first of all. If you look back, to keep that puck alive, Carpenter picks it up, great pass by him, great shot by Cody Eakin, who's played some fantastic hockey. But to me, the story is Marc-Andre Fleury giving him that elite goaltending and really turning, the, I guess, the momentum, the mindset, whatever you want to Build confidence. The Great. analytics guys. Sorry, Dan. Go ahead. Oh, just to, to remember where we had been the last time we talked about Mark Andre Fleury. We were looking at the number of times in his career, uh, not his career, but last season, where he had given up more than four goals. It was only five times he'd given up more than four goals last year. Then it was each of the first several games. Then, of course, he'd gotten pulled in the first game. Then, if you include the game in Philadelphia, the shutout, Dave. That save percentage last week, I think the, the third star is 950-something. 956. If you include the game against Philadelphia, it's 971, <laughs> right? You know, it's two goals against in three games. And remember, the middle game, the last goal goes in with 36 seconds left. He very nearly had back-to-back -back yeah. shutouts. Yeah. Last time he'd done that, of course, was the last game against the Kings and the first game in the second round against the Sharks. So when you have that day off, remember, he didn't play. We were asking, was he going to play? that both games, Washington and Pittsburgh, the decision to play Washington, but not Pittsburgh, since they gave him that break, he's been lights out. Yeah, he's been. And, you know, it's interesting. At some point, Shane, you're like, Marshall's been consistently good, right? He's got whatever it is yeah. now, 9, 10, whatever it is early in the season. Your best players at some point. Ten have, points. I think he's 5 and 5. Yeah, 5. If we're, if we're just keeping track. If you're just keeping track. Fact, five goals and five helpers. But I don't have any computer points. anything in Nothing. front of me. That's all Dan. Just, I'm just <laughs> saying. Yeah, it's all on the hard drive. Your best players have to lead your way through it. And Marshall's been getting results. Smith started to break through a bit. And then old wild Bill Carlson, right? He's, you know, you wondered where he was at a little bit. Um, not a great start for him in terms of goal production. Breaks through in the seventh game of the year like he did last year. Um, for him, what's that for his mindset? You know, he comes off 43 goals. So now people expect it. And I don't know if he's going to score 40 again this year. But for him to get one and break through the other. Well, now he's got two, obviously, goals in back-to-back -back games. It's the first time he's had to deal with this in his career. Yeah. Right? You know, Ovechkin, those guys are used to it every year. The guys that 
you know, every season or write him down 30-plus, even 20-plus. William Carlson, this is the first time he's scored that amount of goals. And coming in this year is the first time there's pressure to be a consistent performer. And that line, I think, has expectations of themselves. And I think they've been good. The goals just weren't coming. They stuck with it. And you know what? They've still been leading the way of this team. They really have. Let's take you into the mindset of the player. You score 43, you have a career year. Yep. Your organization comes to you and says, hey, we want to extend you. And uh, we, don't know the, we don't know the exact terms. We know it was a long-term offer was made uh, to William. But obviously it wasn't enough money per year or enough money in the package, whatever it was. So you bet on yourself. Yep. All right, and you say, you know what? You know, I think maybe I'm not a 43 guy, but I'm not a six guy either. I'm not a six goal guy either, which is what he scored the year before. I think I'm closer to 30. And you say, this is what a 30 goal guy gets in the NHL, and this is what you offered me. You know, I'm, you know, we're we're dealing a little bit in 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 the shadows here because we don't have all the facts, but we do know that he he didn't accept a long term deal. Long term deal. They went to arbitration and they they. They settled just before arbitration. Yep. They figured out uh, a one-year deal, I, th- I believe, correct? Yep, yes. correct, one yep. year. So those are both facts that I have correct, by the way. Yeah, so, facts are Dan, if you could note so that. So what, what kind Adams. of pressure do you, is oh, on you this, as a player? Well, there's big-time pressure. This is He bet on himself. Yeah. So, But that said, I think that line has so much trust in one another that they're and they have a belief that they're going to be successful. So, yes, the goals weren't coming early, and I'm sure there was some frustration to it. But I think the one thing that helps them is Riley Smith and Jonathan Marshall. Those two guys are still yeah. rolling, and they're like they're getting chances. I think if they weren't creating, like he had a couple. Carlson posts. told me flat. Yeah. He, he said, "Luck." He goes, "I'm getting chances." Yeah, if, if they weren't getting chances, it'd be different. So you know, I think. <laughs> Excuse me. And, and you're right. This is he's betting on himself. Is he going to be another four? Well, if he is, then he's going to earn the money. If he isn't, he's going to fall right in line with his line mates with real good money that yeah. you can live off. They're all making the same dough, right? They're all at five million. Well, and roughly. you know, it's it's uh, it, so uh, we have this later in the show. We do need to talk about contracts. And, yeah, we'll talk and, about that. And later. what George McPhee has been doing because the Alex Tuck deal is, uh, uh, we'll get to it later in the show. Well, before we get to that, let's talk. So the um, this that's called the that's a tease. So the tease in the in the uh, podcast world. Uh, last year's fourth line of Belmar Carrier Nosek, one of the best fourth lines, if not the best in the league. This year, it's a little different. Wrinkled to it for a variety of reasons. Nose explained higher up in the lineup, and you put Reeves on that wing. Um, you know, there was a segment the other night. I forget which defenseman that Reeves and Carrier drilled in the corner. Yeah. The old Malachi, the old Happy Days Malachi Crunch. Those are the days. It's like when you wrote the hockey, the, the hockey Day song earlier this uh, this uh, fall here. Shane, I, I, I quizzed uh, yeah. Pierre Edouard Belmar uh, about the Malachi. Yeah, I would have. <laughs> I would have no idea. Do you know who either. Pinky Tuscadero was? Well, that's who they Malachi. Oh, coached. you guys are old. Oh, that's who. That's yeah, who she got, got injured. And Fonzie, Fonzie saved Fonzie her at the last upset. second. Right. And, uh, Fonzie saving the day, then yeah. went and literally jumped the shark. Yeah. Remember with the leather jacket on? Yes. To Gary's <laughs> credit, he came up with this on the fly during our radio broadcast. This is no retrospect. Gary was on top of it. I called it the Malachi Crunch going to the break, and then somebody tweeted like uh, making us feel old or something like. Yeah, I'm not that. Shane, very, Shane no, is, now that if I know Dave, like, I yeah. thought I was pretty smart, no, but no, it's been diminished by the no. fact that Dave, Dave had it. Dave had it to you both. About thirty seconds. After yeah, me. both I'm just frightened both, that you guys are thinking along the well, same lines. There, hey, both <laughs> both showing our age and both showing. And both, and both well, you're a little you're a little younger lines. than me. Yeah, but not 
not too far behind you. It's a close race. Shane, you saw Happy Days. That was a show back in the day. Oh, I, I watched Happy Days. Yeah. He watched remember. it on Nick on night, Nick at Night or whatever yes, it's called. Yes, did he I. He didn't watch it right. on ABC not, like not you live. and I did. It's exactly Tuesday right. night, 8 o'clock Eastern time. But, and I said to you, Shane, the other night, if you're a defenseman as you were, and you, you can feel Reeves or Carrier bearing down on you, at some point you must say, the hell with this. You, you go get it. Well, <laughs> you go get the puck, and then I'll just kind of take my chances. And, and the majority of my career, I spent as five, six D man, right? There was times, you know, I jump up and, and with injury, whatever you, you play an elevated role, and that you'd play against the top end of the other team, which is a different style. Sure, you're going back for pucks. You're worried more about skill, about them beating you on the one-on-one rush. But the majority of my career was spent playing against at a time when fourth lines were a lot of pretty much just Ryan Reeves. Yeah. Uh, our third lines had a piece of that. Good luck. And you were always aware. You knew when you were going back for the puck, any time you made a play or a pass, you better prepare yourself because you were going to get hit. They were going to finish hits. And in, Nowadays, defensemen, there's not a lot of them that know no, about this. No. So this line, people are hearing them coming. You the, the, Go to the uh, – it was Josh Manson. Delay a game over the glass. William Carrier is bearing down. You make a quick play. He reacted quick to get rid of the puck. It went up and over the glass because he, he was bracing himself. He knew that there was someone on the tracks coming to finish a hit. Shane, you remember Darcy Hortichuk when he was yes. uh, when Darcy was a rookie. Uh, Dallas Akins has told me this story. Dallas was playing uh, somewhere and <clears throat> playing defense, and they were in a playoff series. And it, it might not have been in the NHL. It might have been in the International League. And uh, the v- very first period of the series, Dallas might get back back to get the puck. And just as he got to the puck, Hortichuk, ab- Hortichuk absolutely wallpapered him. Yep. And, he, and he said to him, every game, all series, I'll be here. <laughs> and uh, and D- Dallas said he, he knew who was on the ice the rest of the series. Yeah. He, he'd make a quick mental check. Hornishuk out here? No, he's not. Okay, I don't have to be quite as quick as I need to be. Well, the good thing about this line is, is they don't try to be something else. No. They, they stick to what they're good at. And that's, you know, I, big times speeches or whatever I talk about to have success is roles and understanding your role in a team. And when you understand your role and you play to that to the best of your ability, it brings and breeds uh, team success. That's what this line does. Carrier Reeves know that they're, you know, Carrier knows he needs speed, protects the puck, takes it hard to the net, finishes hits. Ryan Reeves protects the puck down low. He's got to get it out. They've got to be strong, dependable defensively. He finishes hits. Belmar, well, I think he's the guy that gives both these guys confidence. I think he's in their year. He's the veteran. He's the voice. All the time when they're on the bench, he's talking about what you need to do here and there. He's so reliable in a defensive zone. His, his positioning is perfect. He's a big part of the penalty kill, Belmar. Uh, I think he's just a tremendous player. I think he's a guy that could play in an elevated role, but he accepts and does this one to perfection. It's funny. I said to Shane, I think it was last season, Dan, I said, I, having spent a lot of time in Boston in the Eastern Conference and seeing Belmar for a few years in Philly, but only th- maybe three or four times a year, yeah. I never realized how good he was and how effective he was until I saw him 82-plus games last year. Yeah. Now, and, and, and I remember him telling us about when he was playing in Sweden, the thought of coming over to the NHL in both Montreal and Philadelphia had talked to him, and he really liked what Ron Hextall had to say about the role that he would have. It wasn't if this, if that. It was here is what you're going to do when you're on the Flyers. 
And Belmar took that as an opportunity to then improve each offseason. And he's continued to do that. And the interesting thing is what he told us just a couple of weeks ago, which is what he wanted to improve this past offseason was being more productive offensively. And look what he had done in the preseason. Put some pucks uh, in the net shorthanded. He scored the shorthanded goal early in the year. And you're seeing these chances that are being created. And Belmar is 33. Reeves is 31. Carrier is only 23. And it seems like a matter of time before a couple more pucks from those guys go in the net. But they know that even if they don't get the puck in the net, it's not their primary goal. I love this wrinkle that the Golden Knights have uh, at the end of the power play. So Vegas has a power play. Those guys don't play. But right after the power play, they're out on the ice the first shift, even if it's an offensive zone draw. And the other night, Anaheim iced it right after. So the same guys that were out there, the same four, plus someone over the boards, are on the ice. And who does Gallant send out? So these guys are already tired, and now you've got the most muscular line in the National Hockey League coming out over the boards, and you're like, boy, oh, boy, we better get it out of here or we're going to be hemmed in here for a while. And it, it that those shifts have been, in the last three games, have been game changers. And I've got a question for you, Shane. When you're the next line after Reeves, Belmar, and Carrier come off, I mean, I, I would you know, run through a brick wall to get on the ice. The momentum right. that they generate. It does not go unnoticed on the bench when the rest of those lines, whatever it is, see Belmar, Reeves, and Carrier go out there. The energy they bring to the bench is imperative. I, I think it's they've been the most consistent line in their style of play. I think Gerard Gallant knows that. He's, he's talked about them. He did it last year, too. So this is nothing new. This is a team that relies on four lines to play the right way, to play to their strengths. And this line has certainly done that. They've generated a ton of chances. But the energy that they build, that rolls to, like you said, that next line up now. Oh, let's keep this going. It just builds and builds. The other wrinkle you've talked about, Shane, too, is after a power play, after a penalty kill. Penalty kill, kill yeah. Marsha so Pacioretty, Holla. None yeah. of them kill penalties. Pacioretty did a little bit with Stassi, but now he's not really. Their ability to throw those three guys out, too, against a team that's just coming off yeah. a kill, against potentially tired guys. They're fresh. They've been sitting there. Potential or the other team's power player. They're top yes. guys. Yes. So the matchup goes in yeah. favor of the Golden Knights having that ability to throw an offensive line of those guys. And, yeah, and sure, they don't play together a lot, but when they have been thrown out after a good penalty kill, they've been able to generate some chances right away. And, and, you know, just like the power play throwing the Reeves line out after the penalty kill, they answer back right away with uh, this line. And the other thing I like about the Belmar line, too, is that he has no problem playing against the other team's top, which is great. Yeah, the amount of trust that, you know, all coaches, right, trust the trust they build, uh, the players build with them. Huge That's a pretty good one. opening, fellas. Not too bad. Next segment of our... Podcast, the other Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave Podcast, brought to you by our friends at the Finley Automotive Group. We're kind of all uh, in the mix. Well, not not Dan so much. but Dan uh, drives sure. a Finley car. Oh, you oh, you got the, what do you got there? The Camaro. You bought the, uh, yeah. the Camaro last Speaking year. Speaking of the right? Fonz. The T-Tops. Absolutely. <laughs> well, they don't have the Camaro on. He is from Jersey. T-Tops. You should get the T-Tops. That's the old car back in Jersey. But no, I love the Camaro. The folks at Finley are fantastic. It's always great. I saw them just before the season started. Took care of a car wash and that Camaro shining bright. Yep. I'm going to see them today. 
I'm going to see him tomorrow. I've got to go, but yeah. I've got, I've got two. Jaguar, I've got, we have two Finley's vehicles. I got two Finley too. vehicles. Yeah. All right, they got some love. Yep, there you go. <laughs> we love you, Finley. All right, so the Golden Knights, um, Alex Tuck hasn't played a game this year, but he hasn't got himself a nice contract extension. Hopefully he's going to play here soon, out with, uh, with injury. But um, the ability, Gary, and you kind of touched on this the other night in lawless and order between periods uh, Saturday, I believe. The ability of the Golden Knights to get Tuck under contract here, long-term, seven-year extension, which kicks in next year. Signs Shea Theodore to a seven-year extension, a seven-year deal, not an extension, but a new deal. What's that mean in the big picture for this Well, team? it's really fascinating what the Golden Knights have done. Most teams say, we need to save cap space. And they've taken the exact opposite approach. They've said, no, we're going to use, they view cap space as perishable inventory. In other words, if you've got $6 million of open cap space, at the end of the year, if you haven't used it, it's lost to you. So if you've got an owner who is willing to say, yeah, we'll spend to the cap every year all the time, we're fine with that, then you can say, okay, I've got empty cap space right now. I'm going to sign Alex Tuck to a seven-year deal. So, you know, I could probably get him for, you know, he's coming off of, he's coming off his ELC. He scored 15 goals last year. 16. 16 goals. He's hurt right now. Um, I'll, uh, he scored six in the playoffs and four assists in 20 games. I'll, I'll, I'll sign him for two and a half million uh, and then move the contract up for a number of years. Or I'll just qualify him because he doesn't have Arbright's. And uh, I'll, you know, you'll nickel and dime them for a while until you have to give them the big contract at some point in time. Or there's this other approach where you say, I'll overpay them right now. I'll give them four and a half, four point seven five million right now, and I'll eat. he's probably going to be overpaid this year, probably a little bit next year. And then it'll be an equal value. But then the last three or four years of that deal, when he's in his prime, when mm-hmm. he's scoring. 25 or 30, if that's what he becomes, and that's kind of what we think that that player is going to be. Now you've got him at $4.5 million a year. That's what you call a value contract in today's NHL. And so by using your cap space today, you're freeing up cap space tomorrow. And that extends your window. If you have talented, good players, it means you're not, a, you're not the Winnipeg Jets. They're in a situation where if they don't win this year, and they got to give Patrick Lyon a 10 or 12 million at the end of this year, and Kyle Connor decides he's going to score 30 again, and he wants a big piece, people have to go. If you're going to keep people in, people have to leave. Vegas is going to be in a situation where they're going to, because Theodore's contract is like that, McNabb's contract is like that, Marcheseau, Smith, these guys are all in around 5 million bucks. They're all under 30. They're on long-term deals. You are going to have, as the cap goes up, you're going to have space. It's, it, it's, it is, I don't know who came up with it. I'm guessing McPhee. McCrimmon. McCrimmon or Lagerner, one of like the, 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 the money guys here. Or maybe it was Bill Foley because Bill Foley is, we know he is he a, fi- business. He's a financial genius. We know for a fact that he goes to bed at night reading the CBA. Like it's his, <laughs> so do it's I. His, Some light it's, reading. It's his, night, it's, it's his, it's his Salmonex. It's his nighttime reading. And someone has figured out this wrinkle in time because you're an expansion team. You didn't, you know, you, you couldn't get to the cap with the players that you got last year. Someone went, huh, what do we, what do, we do with this? How do we take advantage of all this open cap space? 
this is what we do. We overpay our young guys now so we can underpay them at the back end of the deal, and that gives us cost certainty and cap flexibility four, five, six, seven years from now, which will help us stay in our competitive window. So you say over, we don't know whether yeah. that's true because sure. the landscape changes every year and goes up. And I'm going to give Gary credit. He gave me the great comparable, and I never thought of this. It is a comparables league, right? When you go to contracts, agents, GMs, they've got a list of players. And I'm going to, you know, the Tuck, I don't know where his comparables are yet. Uh, Shea Theodore, I think, was a good one. You gave me two comparables. You look at what Theodore's making. You look at Ivan Provorov and Wierenski and Columbus. I guarantee you their contracts will be more. And if you did a bridge deal, you're coming out of that bridge deal, and Theodore's comparables are those two guys? Oh, boy. You're, so, you know, signing that's, now. So that's why George McPhee exactly. wouldn't sign Theodore. He, to, well, to a bridge. He, that's why he Shevel Dayoff got in a situation right. in Winnipeg where but he didn't Morrissey's, have a choice. And look at Morrissey he had this to bri- year. He had to bridge Morrissey. You see the goal he scored on Saturday yeah, afternoon? Morrissey's leading them in points. Josh Morrissey's going to he, he's gonna be more of the – what's Theodore, 5.2? When he signs his next big six. ticket, it's – or 7. Darnell Nurse in Edmonton, same situation. Shirelli's in a spot where, boy, I can't have this guy sitting out for a long time. I got to make the playoffs. So I got to, I got to, I got to do, he wants a bridge. I got to do it. Now, if Nurse scores 20, because he's got that offensive end of, he's going to get more. McPhee wouldn't bend. He's like, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm not doing a bridge. I'm getting my long term deal. And he got it. Here's the other part of this, too, that, that and just, is important. Oh, not, not overpaid, but giving more than you're yeah, requ- And, th- and they might be that for the is first required. Year. Yeah, for the first he year. Could, he, two. He, well, he didn't have to pay Alex Tuck no. that money next year. He could have, he could have, no arb rights. He could have he could have qualified him, and that would have been it. All their deals, all their deals, right? So who's the highest paid guy in the team this year? Paul Stastny, okay, at six point three, whatever. Yes, yeah. okay. This year, yeah. Next year it's going to be Flurry. Kicks in at that seven million dollars extension. Yeah, Flurry and Patcheretti and Patcheretti. Yeah. Yeah. Every contract they have is tradable if need be. Well, they're all portable. You're 100%. Yes. And that, so that's, that's the other thing. The value so there. when yes. you say, okay, you've signed these young guys to a long-term deal, well, what if it doesn't work out? Well, you can move it. Right. It, it's not It's not crazy money. You, and, and he didn't give Theodore or Tuck no moves. Like there's that that's he there's been a real cultural approach here to how they've how they've been doing it. It's fascinating to, to see. Well, it. Also, and, there and it's smart. There's the argument. Everybody was upset. Eric Carlson lost out on that. Well, you get an Eric Carlson that takes up two of those players because you're he's looking at eleven or twelve. Yep. And you're going to expect that someone like Eric Carlson is going to come in with a lot of other demands, like the no trades and all that other stuff. Yep. And George McPhee seems unwilling to include those things, as you guys mentioned. For the right guy, for sure. Yeah. Right? But if you don't need to, like, it, listen. Look at Chicago. Guys yes. coming out of their entry-level contracts, they put in they put in devices so that that next contract, it's not, it's not unrestricted free agent. Agency and a lot of agents out there. We look at what Jacob Truba has done. They've treated it. They go, my ELC is over. I'm like an unrestricted free agent. I have the leverage. William Nylander is the best example of it right now. Like he 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 wants eight million a year, and he's over in is he in Switzerland right now? Yeah, hanging out, waiting to see it. Well, if you bend and you give the player. Exactly what he wants at that point in time. You put your you you shrink your window. And, and listen, I'm not anti-player. I think the players deserve every penny they get. They work hard for it. They're they're the stars of the game. But if you're a GM and you want to win, you want to win championships. 
you got to play the game. Just one word of caution, and I'll ask maybe you guys can, can add, you know, perhaps a, a positive spin on this. Because not too long ago, there was the opposite extreme where, say, Rick DiPietro gets 15 years, $67 million, and two years into that deal, injuries. And he never comes close to finishing that 15-year contract. It's, it's, it's apples and oranges because that's not a cap world. If the guy gets injured, he's you're not you're not on the same cap hit. So it's not it's not a risk. And like every that. contract you, has you insurance. Get, you get you right. get relief yeah. because of that. But but hear exactly what you're saying. And George McPhee did a 10-year, hundred million dollar contract with Alex Ovechkin. That one that one has worked out pretty well. Sure has. The Di Pietro one is he still getting paid? Or did they buy him? Uh, they bought, they bought him out. They right. bought him out. But they, the, 15, the contract was 2006. The, so. the Islander model. Let's not forget Yashin got one there, too. Yeah, well, sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, do we really want to use what the Islanders have done? Has, hey, George, has, has George the used to work there, so. Yes. <laughs> after the DEA after the, deal. After all of those deals. Yes, for sure. <laughs> but all these guys, young guys, Marcio starting his first year of a six-year deal, Theodore seven-year starting this year, Tuck next year starting seven, a seven-year deal. And if the time comes... And they have to move on. They can do it. You know, you mentioned just kind of offhandedly, Shane, about Chicago. And you can you they can got build three it. cups, but still. You'll take the three cups. But you see what they're going through right now. Kane and Taves, they signed them to those monster deals. Seabrook and Seabrook Keith. Seabrook and Keith are, you know, like it, yeah, it's. You're going to have to endure some down years. Yeah. And, and again, if you, if you ask the people there right now, yeah, it's going to be tough sledding for them for a while. But they also had three cups, and they had phenomenal teams in six years, you know, for that window. So you you pick – there's different ways to do it, and I get that. But to Gary's point of a long term and trying to be able to do this the way they're doing it here is a pretty wise way to and do it. And my point is – was not so much, oh, no, this, one of these guys could be Rick DiPietro. It's more to learn from how things have happened in the past, in particular – George McPhee, 17 years running the Capitals. This isn't his first time around the block. No. And I think that you can see as as the new world of the NHL and, and the salary cap takes form, that someone who has lived through it all and has so much experience with all of this, if he's pioneering a different strategy, you've got a little bit more faith in, in that approach. He was asked that the other day, lessons learned from his time in Washington. And he said, if you can get a deal done early, you should get it done. Bingo. Cost certainty Bingo. is what they're looking for and is what they have with all these deals. You know, and it's it's interesting. For the player, you bet on yourself. I had an agent say to me one time, he goes, yeah, you know, you want to get the most you can for a player. But when someone comes to you with 20 or 30 million bucks, you got to take a long, hard look at it. Right. <laughs> you know, Alex talked, you just guaranteed 30, 33.25, is that? That's what the value is. Not bad when you're 22. Yeah. I take it. Pretty good wage. Through 2026. And right now, he's only 22 years old. He doesn't turn 23 until May. Yes. He'll be 29 at the end of the deal. Yeah. He'll still, if, like, you know. Yeah. Hey, speaking of contracts, uh, and it kind of goes under the radar here a little bit because the Golden Knights went out and they sang Paul Stastny. They trade for Max Pacioretty. Nick Holden kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Oh, yeah. Right? As an unrestricted free agent signing. A pretty good player for them, Shane, over the first, uh, what do they played eight games? Like, you know, he's subtle, but very effective. As, as I, I think he's gotten better and better. And, yeah. and there's always an adjustment period when you join a new team. 
And I think, you know, the absence of Nate Schmidt and then Derek England's injury has elevated his role, and he's really fit in. And let's not forget he's played the offside. I don't know how much he's done in his career. I know in Colorado his best years he played with Barry, who's right-handed shot, so he was on his onside. So he's been on his off, and he's got little details to his game. I notice on D-to-D passes, the way he positions himself in the defensive end behind the net, he's really good at allowing himself to skate into the puck so he's got his eyes forward. Uh, he does the way he, he walks the line, holds it in at the blue line, and it's nothing fancy. And the best way to describe a lot of the defensemen is you don't – they play the game, and after the game, you don't notice them, and that's a good thing. He's averaged uh, 20, 20 minutes or more yes. in the last three games. Mm-hmm. And, and The played, penalty kill. Played in a, a top, big played part in a of top four, four role in those, uh, in those situations. The the goal that Reeves scored on Saturday night, he comes down the he finds a lane and he comes down and he unloads. It hits Gibson right in the right right, right in the shoulder, high though, and then you know it's such a heavy shot, it bounces down. There's a quick rebound and Reeves is able to score. Shane, you must have played and maybe you were this guy. Some players, the more responsibility oh, you give All them, of them, the better they respond. I think I think the majority of players and, and, you know, for the role I played, he, he'd, he'd be a little higher. When you get that chance to play top four minutes, it's an easier game. It is harder to adjust to when you're in that 5-6 because you're, you're more limited, but you still have to be ready. So there's more of a mental strain there to make sure, okay, I just sat three, four minutes. I got to go out there for 45 seconds and do my job. And, and guys do that, but it's easier when you're not thinking like that. You're just out there. You're rolling. You're, you're going, and it makes the game easier. Did you see the Jack Roslovic quote the other day? Mm-mm. He played about five minutes the night before, and he said, well, he said Paul's a stats guy, meaning Paul Maurice. And so once we went down 3-1, uh, you know, we knew that Paul would – his view of the game is the best chance I have to get back into this one – is to play Wheeler and Shifley. So he said, once it's 3-1, and then he, they scored again, it was 4-1. He goes, I knew I wasn't playing anymore. And, he, and I sat on the bench for, and Matthew Perot got in on it too, said, yeah. I, I, you know, I went 45 minutes of real time and 20 minutes of hockey time without a shift. He goes, how do you, you know? And then, of course, the, Maurice gets a hold of these these quotes. I watched. I saw. Did you see? Their I ice, saw this their, part. Their ice time. That, that, well, he said, you know, they're not. You want to play more? Play better, basically. And yeah, then yeah. their ice time the next night, mm, not very big. Around, <laughs> around, like around five minutes for the for the for the line. You say something like, "This isn't the rec league." Yes, it's not yeah, like you yeah. rep the ice for an yeah. hour and everyone gets to play. The you, don't, same you, you don't all pay your eighty-five bucks, and that guarantees you <laughs> twenty awesome. minutes a night. Something to that effect. But it's it's what you're talking about is uh, is ice time. It's you have to earn it. Goes it's, back to roles, right? Yeah. When it, your five minutes is gonna. If that's what you're gonna play, ten minutes, and somebody's playing twenty, that ten minutes, and that's why this Belmar line has success. They understand their ten minutes are just as important yeah. as the Smith, Carlson, Marshall twenty minutes. But I and I happen to, I happen to think that some coaches don't get enough of their their team involved. Oh, a big time. And at the end of the at the end of the night, your top end guys, if they've played too much, it's a lot of diminishing returns. And I think th- like that to me was one of the huge secrets of the Golden Knights last year was that Gerard Gallant balanced the ice time. It's a huge success it, of any successful team. Yeah. And, 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 you yeah, know, the it, Bruins in 2011, we needed four lines. You look at the Kings Cups, they needed four lines. Yeah. Even the, the any team that's going to win the Stanley Cup, you need four lines. 100%. Who and did a lot of the damage last year for Washington? 
<laughs> that lot, yeah. especially in game right. five. Right? Especially when you're talking yeah. about you're playing 82 games. Like, so, oh, the regular season, they're not, it's not important. Baloney. <laughs> You've got to get into the playoffs. You've got to manage your team over that 82-game schedule. If you're milking your top line in the second week of the season and – to, to and pl- chasing and trying to to stay in. Where are you going to be in game sixty? And where is your fourth line going to be in game sixty if they're only playing four or five minutes a night? They're not developing. They're not getting better. They're not. They're not going to be effective for you down the stretch. It, it's balance is critical. Well, the Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast coming to you from our studios in downtown Summerlin. Hashtag SLGND. And the podcast brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company, a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. This working cattle ranch sits on 28,000 acres of land and has a little something for everyone, including world-class golf, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and lots more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available right now. You can check it out at rockcreekcattlecompany.com. All right, fellas, so the Golden Knights here have been kind of, you know, they've been hit with the injury. I mean, most teams have. We just had Anaheim in here, Shane, but a lot of teams are hit with the injuries. But their ability to, so Stassing's out long-term, we know that. Tuck, hopefully back in the not-too-distant future, maybe at some point during this homestand. Uh, Derek Englund seems like he's fairly close, right? And we know know the Nate Schmidt deal. Their ability, though, to be able, and they're going to have to find a way. The, The two biggest ones, obviously, from a, um, length standpoint are, are Stastny and Schmidt. You know they're not here um, for a long time. Their ability, they're going to have to find a way to continue to put wins and put points up. It's funny, last year they get off to that great start. They're 8-1 and one out of the gates, and I had somebody say to me recently, you know, we just wanted to stay out of the pack of teams that are fighting for a playoff spot. We wanted to stay above those teams. Now, to a certain extent, kind of want to let's stay in the mix yes. right let's stay in the pack and not fall you know too far back we have a lot of at one and four it looked like they were gonna you know and they did have a ways to go but their ability now and how they're able to get by without some key people in the lineup has been pretty impressive well, that's the world of the nhl you've injuries is it hits everyone some harder than others and you have to deal with it and i think depth is so important and you look you look at the golden Knights, they've won three now so if you're a guy coming in the lineup how do you get in the lineup? You know, is, yeah. do you just automatically get? Yeah, probably some of these guys might. But that said, you know, Brad Hunt stepped in and played really well. I think he's helped the power play. Uh, you know, guys up front. Who's going to come out Hika up front? Came R- up Ryan Carp. Well. Yeah, Heek has yeah. played excellent for that. You know, obviously he's, you know, one of those guys. The Carpenter, Eakin, and Nosek line has come along. And I think over the last three games been great. My so. guess is, so Tuck... Tuck Tuck's going to go into patch ready. Tuck, Tuck pre- practiced yesterday in a regular jersey. So they don't play again until Wednesday. Gallant said, we'll see. They have the day off today. He's, they practice tomorrow. We'll see, we'll see how he feels Tuesday. Tuck's going in Wednesday is my is my, is my my guess. And, yeah, he's going to go in there with Halla and Patch ready. He'll probably take Heek out. Uh, Derek England looks like he's uh, he's ready, too. He probably goes in. Um, you probably pull uh, – you probably pull Brad Hunt out or Merrill, one of those two guys. Uh, to me, it, it's I would probably think uh, for Derek's first game back, I might want to leave the top four alone and play him with play him with Hunt. I wouldn't mind seeing what Derek and 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 Brad looked like has uh, a yeah. pairing. In saying that, John Merrill's been really good, um, but that's that's life with this team. It's a good team, so yeah. you know, good players are going to sit at at certain junctures. So. Um, 
eventually, though, you know, when everyone's healthy, the, you know, you leave the Carlson line alone, then, you know, we'll go back to the way they started where you had Statsy with Pacioretty and Halla. I really want to see Eakin between Nosek and Tuck. Tuck. I think, and then I'm in the fourth line. You're gonna. The, there was we talked lots about maybe, you know, maybe Nosek going back to that fourth line, and one of those guys having to sit. Uh, uh-uh. they gotta no. play. They gotta play. You gotta leave them alone, especially yeah. right now. Anyways, I think they've, they've, and, I, and that's the great thing about having competition in your lineup. Those guys realize that that they. The, Carrier and Reeves had to look at it and go. Well, they both sat last year at times. Yep. Both had to look at it and say, "We got to play good." And there, and and that work ethic has really carried them through. What we're going to see in the not too distant future, most likely, will be Patcheretti, Halla, and Tuck. Now, we were always wondering uh, in the preseason, okay, who's going to be there, Halla or Tuck, with yeah. Stastny and Patcheretti? Well, now we're going to see both of them, Halla and Tuck, with Patcheretti, and let's. You know, call a spade a spade. The second line has not been particularly productive. No. Pacioretty's goal was not on that line. It was in a six-on-five situation. Howell's goal, he was on the ice with Smith and Marcia, so, right? So that line has not produced. No. So, But you're going to have Howell and Tuck with Pacioretty. Now, it was only the preseason, but Tuck looked pretty good with Pacioretty in the preseason. I'll be interested to see how Howell and Tuck together on that line with Pacioretty, if there is anything to learn from those three playing together. Yeah, well... I think Tuck, when he's going to bring his speed and size to that line, he's going to he's going to chip pucks out. He's going to he'll be in first on the forecheck a lot. He's going to he creates more. He creates more. I, it, I, to me, that's going to be a really good fit. It's a good point. They they're four and four right now. That second line has really not been a no, factor. No, no, they, they haven't they have got anything not out of scored them. with the, those right. three guys together. Whether it was Hika or before the injury with Stastny. It's been Marsh is so carrying a lot of the load. Eakin has been terrific. Yeah, that's the other guy we haven't really talked much yeah, about. Like he's, he's got three goals, two game winners, and some terrific work on the penalty kill. His ability, you know, Mike Kelly was saying to us the other day, he doesn't play the most minutes at all. He plays important minutes, though. And the minutes he plays, you know, shorthanded goal uh, the other night against Buffalo, his ability, you know, we kind of touch on this, Shane, on TV. His, from the trade deadline forward through the playoffs, and then he got nicked up in, in, uh, in uh, training camp this year, missing the first few games of the year. But he's one of those guys, you know, he's not talked about a lot, right? He only the missed top... two games last year. Yeah. Only two games he missed. Dur- you know, the top line gets, you know, Pacioretty now and Stastny and, you know, Theodore and Fleury. I get all that. People don't talk about Eakin a lot just because, you know, Eakin's yeah. subtle the way he plays the game. He's I, and smart, I don't think it's a coincidence. Understated. I don't think it's a coincidence that when he came back, remember he missed the first few games, that when he returned, it sort of stabilized the center position and all those little things, the breakout, the transition, a lot of that really started to click once Eakin got back. I'm not saying it was all because of his return, but no. I can't say that was a coincidence. I think he's a very important piece of the team, and he skates so well. He, he's an intelligent intelligent player he's he's good in the defensive end you see him on the penalty kill he can plug into the power play if you need uh yeah. you know he's another one of those guys you know it's, he's not too far removed from scoring 19 goals he's usually you know he had the off year in dallas before he came to the golden knights uh but he's a guy that could be you know he's a 15 to 20 goal guy pretty consistently and, and that's <laughs> that's not bad to have you know centering your third line well, the Sheriff Lala, some guy named Dave podcast coming to you from our studios in downtown Summerlin this time around. All right, we're going to get to the uh, mailbag, and it's brought to you by our friends at Finley Automotive Group. So we, uh, we welcomed uh, questions from the people, 
and uh, via the Twitters, uh, um, I would imagine, for the most part, Dan. So what do we have? Have you combed through these here? Have you picked up some doozies here that you can, be, <laughs> you can, we, you can throw at us here today? We have a lot of questions. Oh, that's uh, nice. I which, like that. That's good. So the, the question is, the uh, is it quantity or quality that we are uh, looking well, for? Well, let's I start with quality, quality, and maybe we drift into quantity. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. So here's a question from at NHL Jack Manning. Jack asks, does it make sense for the Knights to offer sheet William Nylander? No. No. No, that's a world you don't want to get into. Uh, we it, kicked this around the other day. Yeah. When's the last one? So, I mean, the Shea Weber one comes to mind, right? Um, Vanek. Vanek in Buffalo. Dustin Penner. Dustin Penner. Right? But the, the problem with this is yeah. the, the price the, you pay. The, the money that you're going to have to offer that, that would force Toronto – you're only going to do it to be successful, right? So if you want to be successful, you've got to give him enough money and then that, drop tr- that Toronto will say, okay, we're not going to match. Well, and then So then there is compensation. So And the compensation that would go along with an offer sheet for William Nylander would be four first round picks. Now if you're get if you're getting a if you're getting Austin Matthews yeah, so say, and you're going to win start. and this is guy is going to is going to make you a, a, open a window for you where you can have the chance to win four or five Stanley Cups? Yeah, absolutely. Or three or two, whatever. You know what I mean? Then yeah, you do it cuz that's that's worth. Here are the Arizona Coyotes at the end of this year. Do you throw an offer sheet at Austin? Matt? And that's a yeah. conversation we can have. That's the team that needs to, because he might yes. be the Mario Lemieux that saves yeah. the franchise. Yeah. William Nylander is he's a very good player. I wouldn't quite describe him as a complimentary player, but he's not a franchise player. No. And no. he's the only guy, right? Still sitting yeah, he's out the last there. one. Nick Ritchie yeah, Nick just, just, just yep. signed. And and he's close to coming. You know, and the Leafs were off. I, I know they've dropped their last couple of games, but. They were, they were six and one out of the gate, scoring goals yeah. five a night. Right, they it's were fine right without them. You're, you're exactly right. You're looking around. Kapanen thinking, stepped right in. You know, and there's the absence of a player. As Nylander's out, Kapanen's role's elevated, and he's played very well. Well, then it's December fourteenth. Is that the date? If he's not signed you're by, done. by December fourteenth, he cannot play this season. Mm-hmm. So the, now, like, so Nylander, early on, the leverage was more in Dubas's. Kyle Dubas, the GM of the Leafs, was born in his corner. As you get closer to that date, especially if you think you only have a certain number of chances to win the Stanley Cup. And if you think you're good enough to win the Stanley Cup this year, you do want William Nylander in your lineup. And as you get closer to December 14th, Kyle Dubas is going to get in a situation where – and it. You, know. you think? I, I think it. I think the pressure elevates on both sides to get to that because you got a player that's sure. that this team's successful. Maybe they don't need me. Maybe they're gonna yeah. and I'm gonna miss out. So. Plus, you got a guy who's in, in, you know, first year in that role in Toronto, right? Lou yeah. Lamarillo's not there any yeah. longer, so you've got to. Yeah, Kyle would like to have would like to have Lou somewhere in the office that he could walk down the hallway and say, you know, to be able to lean on him a little bit in these situations. So, how many guys? You mentioned Yashin earlier. He's the one that comes to mind that sat out a whole year, right? Due to contract. Oh, it used to happen more frequently, right? Signed. Yeah, because right. now it's yeah. not even a holdout. William Nylander isn't holding out. Right. He, he doesn't have a contract. contract. He doesn't have a contract. Right. It's right. as much the, it's much on the Leafs as it is on the player. But, yeah, guys that had contracts that weren't happy with they them just said, would say, oh, I'm not playing for that. Well, the, the yeah. thing for me is, is the response by the players around the league now. This is normal business. Well, it's business. Yeah. That's what he said. When Yashin sat out, I was in Ottawa when he came back that next year. Everybody wanted to tear his head off. They thought he was wrong. Nobody's – why would you sit out a year? 
You make it in a slip. Who do you bag. think the you players are? were mad? The players yeah, were the players mad. Are mad. Henceforth, yes. the sheriff's nickname. That's how I got the nickname. Yes. People, for people that don't know the story, yes. Peter Worrell and who was the other guy? Todd Simpson. Todd Simpson jumped him from Florida. Yashin. And I came in to yeah off the top rope with a big elbow smash. Yeah, it was good. And who's the Warrell. columnist? Uh, Dan Don Brennan. Don Brennan in yeah. Ottawa. The next day, the sheriff comes to the rescue. Beat guy. Now yeah. you know. Paul the Harvey's rest, of the, the, rest of the story. What do, you, what do you got next on the mail? Nicely done, there Dave. Uh, okay. Here's a question. I'm not so much hot on the premise, but the question is worth asking. This comes from Peter Brandon. Uh, and Peter says, as much as we love number five, Derek Anglin, our D has been playing better without him. Mm. If everyone is healthy, what percentage of games do you feel he will play moving forward? So you can take issue with the premise or answer the question. Gary, what say you? Oh, I still still yeah. think Derek England is a member of the of the top six with this. With yeah, this he's in. It's just whether it's top four, top six, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and hard I, hard to break up him and Theodore. Were, right, I mean. and and it's you know right now Derek uh, didn't play the last couple of games because of injury. Now at this point last year we were probably wondering is a thirty five year old Derek England going to play and. 60 games, 70, 80. Well, yeah, he only ended up missing a few games the whole Derek, year. Derek's in elite physical condition. He's a way better skater than people give him credit for. It, he's still a member of the top and, six. And, let, and let's not Vegas. forget the presence he brings when yeah, he's right. in that for lineup, sure. in that room. I know they're, they're all assistants, but we all know who yeah. the captain is. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I think that the Help. question isn't so much – you know, what percentage of games that he plays, but what does the defensive unit of six look like when everybody's healthy or not suspended? And I think that... Well, so it's that that's when it gets interesting, right? right? Yeah. When, and I think when, that's the more interesting part of the uh, question I, here. I think you put... Obviously, Schmidt and McNabb will go back together. Uh, is Holden and Theodore... But then you're going left, left, right, right. Yeah. you got to remember that. Yeah, yeah. Holden can play both sides, as you've already pointed out. Yeah, but out. can Miller or England? Okay. I think yeah. you go Theodore, England, Holden, Miller. Miller and Holden, right. Yeah. And I think that's you know what, what we envisioned. Yeah. You well, know. That, was, that, that was the vision yeah. when they brought Holden in. They, right. They're like, because they watched their bottom pairing get eaten alive in the Stanley Cup, and they're like, we can't do this again. Right. Sorry, I'm not. I'm, I'm, and then how beneficial is it right now to see Miller, who's being paid to play top yep. four minutes yep. now, and Holden, who can so now you have them that can play top four. Now they're your five six. That strengthens your team. And so it, and that not it strengthens your team. They're going to play against weaker competition. Yeah. And you know in the on the defensive zone and in the offensive zone, like Colin Miller can create. And mm-hmm. you know you all of a sudden you've got an edge if that's your third pairing going over the boards. Let's ask a, just a strictly hockey question. Do a little bit of education here, Shane. Uh, this is from uh, Gregory DeFranco. Simple question: Why does the ref sometimes swap out a player on the faceoff? Because he call him a but no, <laughs> <laughs> made an offensive comment. Where, so where if your feet, you, you've got to watch. If you jump earlier, or if your feet move forward above the lines on the side, that gets you kicked out of the faceoff. And the thing is, if the player who comes in to replace gets kicked out, then it's a penalty. Which is new. That's uh, you don't see that much. You don't see it much. It's happened though. So your your feet have to be square behind the line when you line up, and your stick, depending whether you're in the offensive or defensive zone, goes down first. 
There you go. There you I, go. I think that's a pretty good. Is that good? Do you guys answer? understand? Well, anything you want to add? Yeah. Anything you want to add? Anyone? No, it's just for, a, for a guy. Someone's asked Shane. I've never taken a face off <laughs> in the NHL, but I'm uh, going to tell. I'm going to. I'm going to air our dirty laundry. Someone offered Shane a rule book the other day in the office. He goes, yeah, I don't know the. I don't know the rules. <laughs> Apparently, he does. That's why he didn't need the rule book. <laughs> that was the greatest. It's the, the greatest scene in the office. Like, yep. hey, do you want a rule book, Shane? Uh, and so this is our former player, our big TV color analyst. Oh, you know, big, yeah. big yeah. presence in the office. Out loud, I don't know the rules. <laughs> Should have seen the head swinging yeah. around in the office. Uh, We're paying are, this guy, and he doesn't know the rules. Uh, oh, if they haven't oh. picked up on uh, my sarcastic uh, tones. Yeah. Uh, here's one, guys, and, and I'm not sure if this is uh, directly for us as broadcasters or for the team, but this is from David Kreps who asks, what was the hardest aspect of this road trip? Was it the travel itself that was draining or just getting back into the rhythm for traveling? Dave's singing. Uh, my singing. <laughs> I think that's the hardest aspect for everyone to tolerate. Uh, I think that's why uh, Shane and I have SARS and bird flu, is the, ch- you know, the traveling, the hotels, the... Uh, uh, time changes, time zones. He didn't true. say bars. He didn't say pubs in any of that. Maybe I'm an occasional like, beverage. I know why you're worn down. <laughs> Too much Murphy's. Uh-oh. Murphy's. Oh, maybe, yes. uh, maybe, maybe some late hours. Um, no, I don't know. No, not a. I don't know. I liked it. I, we were. Uh, it's funny. Like the the off season was short because they played the end of June, but it sometimes it seemed long. Like it was right. just kind of dragging. So. I can't speak for everybody well, in the Dave, group, but Dave I was looking are, forward to the road trip. Dave and I are creatures of habit. And, you know, I've been doing this now, the hockey schedule, well, professionally for 23 years. You know, four of the minors, 19 now here in the NHL. Dave's, Dave's up there around that number two. That doesn't even count junior for me. So I'm used to home, away, home, away. So when you're home yeah. for a long stretch. Gets old. Believe me, there's people that would rather not see us. <laughs> when, is, when, when is the next road trip, honey? Can't you go Monday. somewhere? Week. We leave in a week. What do you mean? Uh, yeah, we'll be in somewhere. Nashville, by the way. Yeah, yeah Terrible, right. terrible place to be. I haven't looked. Is that uh, Nashville? That, that's Here's a question for you. I, I didn't know that. Oh, Gary's would asking. You, would you rather have Nashville at the beginning of a road trip or the end of a road trip? Beginning. Yeah. Just that kind of. first night's usually, you know. But it does knock you out for the next couple of days. Oh, no. It's... <laughs> Strong. Yeah, strong. Yeah, very strength level. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was good. That was a good trip. We had. Um, Do we so, want to answer from a team perspective? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. it's all about our perspective. <laughs> the, the player, we don't know what they're going through. Well, you got five road games, then five home games, and even though you've got uh, a, a few home games sprinkled in, you're, you're going to have a lot of road games coming you know, up over the next I, month or so. I, it's one. Of, it's the. There's that great saying: Does history make the man, or does man make the history? Oh, if the oh, team's playing, if the, if the team's playing good, they don't care if they're at, on the road or, yeah. at, or at home. If you're playing well, you love being on the road because you like going into another team's building and taking two points from them and setting the fans home in a bad mood. If you're playing good at, at home, you like winning two points in your own building and setting your fans home happy. It's To me, it's how is the team playing. That That's what what determines how a trip goes or a homestand goes. And I would think from all seriousness, from the team standpoint, this last trip probably at times was a grind for them. Couldn't score, right? Having trouble winning games. So to be able to, you know, we kind of started all this. Yeah, you'd rather do that on the road the than ab- do it at home. Yeah, exactly. Right. But the ability to break through that yeah. last game was was yeah. huge for them. I got a couple more for you guys. Uh, here's another hockey-related one. We've kind of addressed this, but it's worth discussing even more, I think. This is from William Hooper, who asks. Hoop. There you go. Uh, with the Knights having one of the most physical fourth lines in hockey, do you think that is what is making them so successful, wearing teams down with uh, – 
heavy hits and flying around the ice translates into some good offensive chances. Shane? I, I think all of it helps. I, I don't put one line over the other. I think this is a team game, and I think the Golden Knights' success comes from their team game. I think everybody needs to, to play. They need their fourth line rolling like that. They need their top line creating chances. They need their top four lines playing in that manner. Of course, each line has different abilities. They'll play to those abilities, but they all need to be effective. And if they're not, let's say, let's say the other team didn't have to worry about the Golden Knights' fourth line. It's a shift off for, you know what I mean, for the yeah. defense pairs. For, so, yeah, I mean, it's all, I think it's all part of the mix where, but what they bring, as we've kind of documented here, is, is invaluable, their ability to create momentum, positive momentum, spend time in the offense. I mean, the other night, the, the game against Anaheim, it seemed like every time they were on the ice, they were a threat in the offensive and, zone. And it's interesting to me because they had that success against Anaheim like that. Anaheim and Randy Carlisle is a coach that, doesn't like to be pushed around physically. Uh, I'm interested if there's any moves to answer that. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 I'll tell you what, I saw, I saw Randy before the game. I saw Bob Murray after the game, and I didn't say hi to Bob after. He didn't look like he was very happy because they had just got pushed around. And if you, listen, if you're watching that game, you had to go, okay, we're not very good. Like they yeah. just. Well, Buffalo us. put up 45 shots last yeah, night. Yeah, you know what I mean. They're, they're getting and, and, outshot. And, and I'm and, lost again. Uh, um, you know, Ryan Getzlaff. I noticed him when he got the puck below the circles in the offensive zone. But other than that, and Ryan Ryan Kessler, like the only thing, the only thing I noticed from him during the game was that when he had two linesmen between him and Ryan Reeves, he all of a sudden he got really vocal. Uh, it was. Uh, uh, I would. That's a good description. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> have a uh, career. They. Uh, well, he's had a pretty good career, but uh, uh, he's an evil genius for sure. The two. Just as a quick aside, the two Southern California teams. The Kings just got smoked two games in a oh, row at home. They got booed off the ice last home game. Yeah, and the Ducks. You know, have a look at their cat. Heading in the wrong direction. Have a look at their. Contracts. Well, Rob Blake supposedly a closed door meeting, and Rob Blake spoke spoke uh, yeah. after their last loss. Talk about killer contract. You know, some of the deals. I mean, the Kovalchuk one aside, like you know these. Long-term, big-money deals. It's... Drew Doughty just starts next year. Like, if I'm Drew Doughty, I'm like, really? I got to play here for the next eight years? Well, not the. I mean, hang out in Southern California. Not the worst place. No, Manhattan Beach. But you, Drew Doughty wants to win the Stanley. Yeah, it's not like you're in got New got Jersey a couple. or something. Yeah, got a couple. Yeah. Well, fair enough. All right. You're in Jersey or Buffalo. Well, talking about guys uh, who are looking to produce. Here is a question from Gusto J Gusto twenty one who asked. Who's gonna break out first, Pacioretty or Howla? Pacioretty. Yeah, Pacioretty, because he doesn't. I think Pacioretty's he the way he played the other night. Work ethic is is Shane can talk about this. You you can't control the puck going in or not going in for you, and I think Max Pacioretty kind of decided prior to the last game. You know what? I can't control that. What I can control is work. how hard I work. And he worked really hard on Saturday night. Even the elbowing penalty, which was kind of a phantom call for me. I, 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 I like the fact that he was engaged. He was on his toes and he was aggressive. So just watch his release. There, there's, there's, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's gonna maybe go 10 guys in the league that release the puck like him off a shot. And, and eventually those will start going in. He, he's just got such a great shot. And we, yeah. Mark Andre Fleury even said it's, you know, 
you said it's the best on this team. We know, you know, Marshall's leading the way how he shoots the puck, but uh, Max Pacioretty, you just you just can't hold off a shot like that forever. It's eventually they're going to start finding the back of the net. Marshall so is underrated. Oh, big time. He oh, is. Yeah. Uh, just, and he's uh, not uh, shy. And he's getting better. Yeah. I, I just I'm, I have a lot of time for him as a player, and it was you know I kind of thought he was just a shooter when he got here, and maybe he was, but he's he's more than that now. It's interesting. Uh, he reminds me of another guy that was. Uh, he reminds me of Marty St. Louis yeah. with pretty, his work ethic and his strength on the puck. Yeah. And he was somebody his that compete. You know, we talked to him the other he's day. He's got some joie de vivre in his yep. game. Yep, he was. Um, you want to talk about paying your dues? Yeah, five years in the American League. I mean, you had Duva for two of them. You had Duva yeah, for two. So that's like dog years. That's like yeah. ten years. That's yeah, like every year to a human is like seven to a dog, right? Yeah, yeah it's something you like know? that. Yep, the mighty Salt City of. <laughs> yes. Uh, here we go. There it is. We got to an hour and uh, two minutes before uh, we got to uh, the Syracuse. I've I got another Pacioretty-related <laughs> question here. This is from uh, at Gooner Pants. Can is that you, a real Twitter handle? At Gooner Pants. Uh, and the question is, and I'm, I like the last part of this question, but can you attribute Pacioretty's lack of scoring to missing line mates, chemistry, or still getting used to a system or something else? How much does a drop in minutes factor in? I don't know. It's a minute. I think it's all of above. I think it's all the, yeah, the right first there. part of it for sure. Yeah. It, it's, it's a little bit of everything. And, you know, sometimes it takes time to find the chemistry. And we saw, we talked all you know, all the time about Carlson, Marcheseau, and Smith. Well, it didn't happen instantly for them last year. Carlson right. didn't score till game seven. That line really didn't form. But once they did, once they clicked and got comfortable, they took off. And that, I think, is going to be the same thing. Patrick, eventually it's going to click for him. Whether it's in, you know, game nine, 10, 11, I think it's going to happen here soon. New team. Two different centers, right? Had Stassing for the first three and games. And never had Hala. to move before is different. If it's right. a guy coming to his third, fourth team, this is just his second team. Yeah. But, again, the silver lining, they've been able to get themselves back to 500. And that whatever's comprised that second line really hasn't been much of a factor for them. No, and I wonder what uh, Pat Charetti sees when he's on the power play with Marcia, so Carlson and Smith, plus Brad Hunt. But to just be on the ice with those three guys – and how contagious that is, and you wonder, you know, we've seen a couple power play goals now, and you wonder how Pacioretty might get in, involved in that aspect of the game. All right, we've got a lot of questions, but uh, we're running out of time, so I'm going to ask you one more, and this is actually directed specifically at Gary, but I think we could probably also answer Oh, no, this, this is Gary. Uh, so, Gary, we're gonna take you'll at least start. This, segment is, off this here. is from Tired. Paul Day. Paul asks. Not Gooner Pants? No. This okay. is Coach Paul Day. I think Gary's uh, putting in fake accounts asking himself questions. Uh, Paul Day, actually. Uh, full like transparency. We were born in the same hospital about four days t- apart. We went to uh, nursery school together. Oh, and I so was, this is a planted I was question. in both his weddings. So, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul's got a question for you, uh, Gary, for as if he hasn't had the opportunity to ask you before. Here it is. Your favorite hockey player growing up and your favorite hockey broadcaster and overall sports broadcaster. So I guess that's three different questions. I can answer the last one. Dave Gosher. (laughs) (laughs) It would be, uh, I would go Larry Robinson. Larry Robinson for player. Danny Gallivan. Uh An overall broadcaster. Mm Mm-hmm. 
present company excluded. No, yeah, yeah, don't. Office. Yeah, you don't feel compelled to throw us in the mix. Yeah, nor, nor would you. I uh-huh. really, was, really wasn't the thought. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what. I'm. A, I've been a huge fan of Chris Cuthbert's work because he does the CFL and the NHL, which are my two favorite uh, things to things to watch. So uh, I'll stick with CC. He's a good right. man. Wow, Dave. I want to um, know your answers. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you, th- do you think you could do a, a CFL game? I, I love the CFL, as you know. Final score, 112 to 108. <laughs> <laughs> Fields 200 yards long, 100 yards wide. Talk no, I probably could up a rule book. Big yeah. guys, big uh, who the um, who do the Bombers have? They get the Red Blacks this week? What's going on? No? Uh, no, they've the got... The Rough Riders? Uh, Argos? Alouettes? Game this week, I know all actually. the names. The Eskimos? I think they're in Calgary this week. Yeah, Stan right. Peters. That's right, the Stan Peters. There you go. Uh, Bobby Orr, greatest of all time, so that's easy enough. Um, Bob Wilson, mm-hmm. who I think was just phenomenal... Bruins radio forever. Probably my all time, like overall favorite. Uh, I think Sean McDonough is as good as they get. You know, in mm-hmm. terms of like versatility. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I've done mostly hockey. I've done some baseball. I did football in college. I've done very little basketball. So, as Shane will tell you, I'm pretty limited. You know, I can't. You know, I, I can. You know, I. You play to your strengths. Yes. Yeah, so but and I all- admire those guys that can do. Pretty much everything. Yeah. And to me, he does it as good as anyone. Sean's terrific doing the, the college football now. We miss him on baseball, longtime Red yes. Sox broadcaster. But, of course, he was trained at the Harvard of Central New York. Oh, here we go. I, here, Syracuse. just to put it, there's not many. I'll be quite honest with you. There's not many announcers that I will watch a game just yeah. because they're doing the game. Bingo. Mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of indifferent to a lot of it. He's one of them. Right. Where I'll, I'll seek out what game he's doing. Can't argue with that. Sean's uh, among yeah. the very, very Shane, best. Uh, you, you've loved Shane, this, you got right? a favorite player, yeah. hockey broadcast. You know what, I never had, broadcast. you know, Wayne Gretzky is the easy cho- you know, choice for me. I liked the Oilers in the 80s growing up. Uh, you know, I liked a lot. I wasn't like one player. I liked a lot of players. I loved Ray Bork in Boston, Paul Coffey. I used to like Marty McSorley because he was a you know, defenseman that moved to forward, kind of like I did in my junior career. Uh, for broad- broadcasters, for me, Hockey Night Canada, for my era, is Bob Cole. Yeah. Playing my first yeah. you know, Hockey Night Canada. Got a Canada. great ovation the other day. Bob yeah. Cole, who is uh, he's on what his 50th, 50th year, year. Uh, yeah. of calling games for Hockey Night in Canada, and he'll retire. Uh, yeah, he just uh, is great. You know, he, I always watched him when I got into broadcasting. Undoes the pants and relaxes. <laughs> he gets, and he does it old school. Like one, just the, the headset, he pulls one ear back, puts his hand over the ear, and he calls on levels up and down. He and can asks, emote and, uh, better yeah, than anybody. Yeah. Present company excluded. Yes. Yeah, thank you very much. Yep. <laughs> No, he's pretty. Yeah, he's pretty good. Oh, he's legendary. To say the least. It's it's only a shame that in the United States the fans yeah. don't yes, hear more of exactly. him. And, and those of us who've traveled and get to follow hockey quite closely, you have heard. Of How him. about you, Dan? Yeah, uh, well, I think me, this is pretty much slam dunk. Well, I you know, yeah. there there are a lot of uh, you know. First of all, with players, you know, growing up as a Devils fan. Uh, I wore number four when I tried to play the sport. That was for Scott Stevens, but Martin Brodeur is among the, the best. And then at the very beginning of my uh, broadcasting career, I got to you know be in that locker room and interview Martin Brodeur. So that was uh, transcendent for me. Uh, for broadcasters, I mean, hockey, I mean, it's Mike Emmerich. I mean, yeah. Doc has done uh, just incredible job through the years, through the decades, and he's been great to me. Um, you know, when just as you said about Sean McDonough, Dave, you hear Doc calling a game. Um, you, no matter who's playing, you've got to listen. Uh, there's nowhere in the world he'd rather be than at that game, and you hear that in, in Doc's voice. Overall broadcasters, aside from, from Mike Emmerich, uh, I think Ian Eagle is fantastic. Again, I know Ian, he was the New Jersey Nets, now Brooklyn Nets broadcaster here on CBS. But then Vin Scully, 
You know, yeah. just you know, baseball, of course, with the Dodgers, but also some big time golf, football. You know, he did a lot more than just the yep. Dodgers. And then uh, Marv Albert. Marv Albert also doing the Rangers on the radio growing up. Uh, you know, still doing <laughs> yeah, basketball. Right. Um, yeah. You know, so uh, there there are a lot of good uh, ones, but those are some big ones. I'm just, I'm just thinking of Harry Carey because we just saw <laughs> Dave and I last trip watched the skit with Will Ferrell doing uh, yeah. Harry yeah, Carey. Yeah. Can, right. can I add? The can move I was ask made of Swiss cheese. We need it. And then we'll get out of here because we're, we're, we're going a little long. What's your favorite catchphrase? Oh, I don't know if I have one. No. I, I don't have one. Mike Lang? Personally. Mike Lang, oh. some of Mike Lang's. Yeah. Oh, scratch my back with a hacksaw. <laughs> I don't know what any of it means. <laughs> yeah. He, but he's he's a guy that's, you know, they sell T-shirts with his sayings on right. Pittsburgh. Well, the, the thing is, with us broadcasting, especially with hockey, has been around for so long, a lot of this stuff that is now part of the lexicon was invented by broadcasters decades ago. Uh, so now when you try to come up with something new, it's yeah. really, everything's been done. It's cliched. But so the answer is, Gary, the best word that I can come up with that a broadcaster has invented that is now part of the lexicon, invented by Marty Glickman. Swish. There you go. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. No yeah. one, I mean, you, you don't even think of that as a cliche. You it's didn't know that a, either. Right? Right? No. That was a broadcaster who came up with Danny that. Gallivan, a Savardian spinorama. After Serge Savard, <laughs> not after Denny yeah. Savard. People get that one confused, but uh, I thought that was... Uh, uh, to me, that's one. What that was Jack Buck? Paints a great picture. It's a winner. That's a winner. It's a winner. Something like that. Legendary Cardinals announcer. Really good, but you can't even remember. Something like that. Yeah, it was before. Well, well, was Bob Cole. Oh baby. Night. Oh baby. Oh baby for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bob Cole. Yeah. Oh baby. And then it was always nice. Dick Enberg. Oh my. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. At, at the end of a New York Mets broadcast, to hear Bob Murphy say, "We'll be back with a happy recap." <laughs> well, I will say this, all kidding aside, I feel very privileged to work with uh, yes, we've got a with all three of, of you guys. Yeah, you guys are pretty been, good. It's been wonderful. Thanks for your time. This time I like when Gosher time. has the marbles. That's my favorite <laughs> call. <laughs> I think we had a Bruins. I had the Flurry Bruins with a big save for the Bruins. Well, and the fans got to hear him sing on Saturday oh, night, too. That. Came so, back from break a yeah. little early. And well, what were you singing? Uh, oh, really? I think I was singing uh, I was singing Chris Stapleton. You were? Yes, Millionaire. Love, more pressure. Is then gold keeps going like that, Dan. You know, let's come on, sing it along. I do. I know. No, I think no what happened was sorry. they might have. We been need to do the, the podcast karaoke. We need to do a whole show. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We Ratings sing. are going to suffer. Yeah, big. <laughs> Take us out with a little journey, yeah, yeah, Dave. Yeah. Should have no. been gone. That's Steve Perry. By the way, new album out for Steve Perry. Okay. Yeah, My son's singing that there. around the house now because of Dave. So we influence the youngsters of molding the minds of the future. Oh, this you know? was fun. Well, okay. See you later. All right. So uh, the I'm Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave Podcast. Gary's out. He's uh, he's out of the building, but uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us. Hashtag SLGND coming to you from our studios in downtown Summerlin. We'll talk to you next time.